0: I can't explain to you why Jesus loves me other than just to say the Bible tells me so. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been one of them days. You say, what do you mean? I'm not going to preach anything I've brought. Didn't this morning, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to tonight. Just throw something at you real quick and see if it sticks. There's a little four-chapter story in the Old Testament. Little book. Short on chapters, long on content. It's entitled Ruth. Yes. When you turn to the book of Ruth and you begin to read about her life, you'll find out that Ruth's story starts out very bleak. But her end is very beautiful. And you may have a lot of bleakness in your life, but if you ever want to turn out beautiful, there's going to have to be A Boaz situation somewhere in the midst of your bleakness to make things beautiful. We talk a lot about those around us who are backslid, make a statement. You may not agree with it. Dr. Gregory's here. He can straighten me out after church. Wouldn't be the first time. Probably won't be the last. A preacher, I was thinking about this family. Naomi and her family, Elimelech, two sons. They, from what I can tell, left the will of God. They left in a famine. Instead of trusting God, believing God that God was going to make a way that He was going to do something, they got in a low time, hit a valley, and they bailed. There's a lot of ways I could prove that through the chapters, but I'm not going to. But You know what God did with somebody who was backslid? They were still enough God about their life in a backslidden condition that when they got around somebody that was really lost, they... That lost person saw enough of God, still in a backslidden believer today said, I don't know what it is about you, but whatever it is, I got to have it. Two people. And it was weak. See, there's this thing about, we talk about people that are backslid, the problem is there's a whole lot of people that have never slid forward to begin with. They're not backslid, they're just lost. And they're sitting all in church tonight. They got a whole lot of religion. They can say all the right things. Yes. But this family, still in a backslidden state, had enough of God about their life. Ruth had heard enough and seen enough about their God that when they only finally came to her senses, you talk about bad advice. Naomi's getting ready to go home. She's getting ready to get right with God and she looks at her two daughters-in-laws and she says, go back to your gods. Go back to your people. She didn't say go back to your family. We don't even know that they had family. She said, go back to your gods. Go back to your people. Go back to that old life. Bad advice. I was thinking while they were singing just a few minutes ago, I was wondering even in my own heart and life about my commitment to Christ. Is He really all I need? Amen. Is He really everything to me? Oh, we sing it and we, we'd shout if somebody was singing it or preaching it. But what about tonight in your bedroom? Amen. What about tonight at home? What about tomorrow on the job? What, around, what about around the other crowd that's not assembled here that you have to live around and work around and be around? Does he still mean as much? How committed are we to Christ? How much do we really want him, love him, need him, depend on him? She said, go back to your people, go back to your gods. Both girls are standing there And the Bible said of the first one, Orpah, the Bible said that she kissed her mother-in-law. Sign of affection. She's weeping. Both girls are weeping and she kisses her. And she walks off the pages of time and eternity. Never to be heard from again. And I'm assuming, now this is my mind, You got COVID? You scared that I got it? All right, come up here.. Where's your mom and dad at? Y'all okay? Okay. She walks off the scene. She kissed. I won't do that.. <laughs> They're crying. She kisses her and walks off the scene. And I'm assuming Naomi thinks that she can be on her way because she looks around and Ruth's nowhere to be found. She can't see her. She goes to take a step, though. And somebody's got her wrapped up. And she said, entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee, For where thou goest, I will go. Whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. She said, thy people shall be my people. Thy God shall be my God. She said, where thou diest, I will die. I'm telling you, friend, there's a huge difference in these two ladies in this story. Do you know tonight you've turned your Bible to the book of Ruth, not the book of Naomi, not the book of Orpah, not the the book of Ruth. That's right. And Ruth has a very bleak beginning, but she has a very beautiful end. She is a Gentile. She doesn't belong where Naomi is going. She has no place there. But she's committed. She makes this journey with her mother-in-law to a place she's never been, to a people she's never known. Her life is fixing to be changed. And really, to be honest with you, she doesn't know to what extent, but everything's fixing to change for her. You see, tonight you have a choice. You can either kiss it all goodbye or you can hold on and wait on God to do something so eternal in your life. So different, so eternal. Something that nobody ever saw coming. Or you can cash it all in tonight Walk off the scene, never to be heard from again. I can go to naming names tonight. Names you would know, people you would know, people that used to come to church here, people that used to sit where you're sitting, people that used to shout me on while I preach, people that used to sing in the choir, people that used to look at me like you're looking at me right now, thinking, oh, it'll never be me. Committed. I don't know what Ruth saw in Naomi. I mean, you just—I could go through all this stuff: their names, and Malon and Kilion, and all what it means, and the family she lived in, and the, and the, the place that they found their self at. See, they went to sojourn there, but they—they they stayed. They, they their purpose was just to get through a hard time. You see, that's what the devil will convince you that it's, you know, you don't have to be as sold out, as dedicated as the next guy. You don't, I mean, I mean, you know, the brother Gravity, he's a great guy and he's a great preacher. But I mean, you know, he goes a little bit too far sometimes. You don't have to be that sold out. Well, let me ask you something. How sold out do you have to be? Just, just how sold out do you have to be? How separated do you have to be? How dedicated do you have to be? I mean, where's the line? As I promise you, you loosen up today. You loosen that grip today, it'll be looser tomorrow. It'll get looser next week. It'll be looser next month. And by next year, it might be so loose, we can't even find you anymore. Think about it tonight. I don't know why my burden's over here. But you think about it. You think about it. You know right now there's, there's people going through your mind that you never dreamed would be out of church. And they are tonight. I'd say if I, I don't know, I'm not trying to just throw numbers to be thrown, but I know 50% of the men we started with are not even in the ministry tonight. At least 50%. And I'm not proud of that. I don't deserve to be where I'm at tonight. And I'm not some great preacher and I'm not some great Christian. The only thing that I know though is that 25 years ago I decided to throw my arms around somebody that was interested in me and I've just been trying to hold on. Now don't take that, Ryan. No, I'm not holding on to him. He's holding on. You're missing the point. She saw something. Something in Naomi and she said, there is no way I can go back there if you're going to where I think you're going. There is no way I can go back to that life. You see, she was raised in Moab. Moab is God's wash pot. Can I ask y'all something tonight? What in the world do you want? What in the world is this world offering you that is so appealing to you? You say, but preacher, you don't know. Yes, I do understand. If anybody understands, I understand. You think your preacher don't understand? You think he's always had a a tie and a suit and a King James Bible? Y'all not listen to his testimony. It's a miracle of God he's sitting here tonight. He is a statistic. I am a statistic. The statistics say that I am not gonna make it. What's out there tonight? What appeals to you? Because I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be short-lived. Amen. There is only pleasure in sin for a season, and that season will soon come to an end. That's right. But I just can't, I mean, I'm listen, I don't just blame the young people because they watch a lot of us adults who cannot stay away from the things of the world long enough to get interested in the things of God anymore. The first time I met Brother Steve Gregory was in the Quality Buy Supermarket in Tunnel Hill, Georgia. I was walking around. I I guess we, I don't know, me and his boy had run into each other at the front door, I guess. and He said, hey. He said, I want you to meet my dad. He's in here. So I went to meet him. He introduced me and Told me who, and he stuck his hand, and here's what he said. He said, Steve Gregory, Rock of Ages Prison Ministry. He said, you, sir, could be the next great Rock of Ages Prison missionary. He said, I sure would. I mean, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what, I said, sure, yeah, I mean, I guess, I'm interested, maybe it's, yes. Do you know what, you know what, I mean, as a young, young, young preacher, You know what I saw in him? He was fired up about God and about what God wanted him to do. He was so fired up about it, he wanted me to get in on it. What in the world? Hey, mom and dad, is it really that important? that whatever, whatever it is in your life, Naomi said, go back to your gods. and go." I'm gonna tell you something. There's people sitting in here tonight. You used to be on fire. You used to shout. You used to run the aisles. It used to mean something to you to come to church, but now it's routine. It's just normal. You've not said amen in 100 years. You've I mean, you've not gotten with a preacher. You know he's preaching your row, but you won't say amen. You won't come to an altar. You're sitting there stiff as a board, and not only does everybody else see it, but so do your children. Go ahead, you can go back. But when you go, just understand we're not reading out of the book of Orpah tonight. It's the book of Ruth. She had a very bleak beginning. She's from Moab, God's washpot. That's all the world is—is is God's washpot. Just understand. I mean, there's some things that look appealing, but I promise you, on the backside of that billboard, it is dark as a thousand midnights. There's no payoff. Very bleak beginning. No godly heritage. No preacher for a daddy. No preacher for a grandpa. No, uh, no, no youth department to grow up in. Don't take what you got for granted. Because I promise you, and you don't understand it right now, but you're going to blink your eyes about three times and you're not going you're, you're to be together like you are right now. You're not going to have what you have right now. And the opportunities that are before you right now, you're not going to have them. And it's hard for you to get a hold of, I know that, I understand that. I'm not jumping on you about it. But it's going to be gone. Take advantage of it. She's got a, she, she didn't have some youth group she could lean on. She didn't have a youth pastor. She didn't have uh, any of these things. It's very bleak. She is a statistic. She's not supposed to make it. But she cast herself on the mercy of a mother-in-law. Really, to be honest with you, in this text, you can also, Naomi can be seen really as a type of the Holy Spirit. You know what really makes the difference in Ruth's life? Read it later when you get home. This may not make a bit of sense. I'm just telling you what God's telling me to tell you while I'm telling you. Ten times. Ten times in chapter number two. You know whose name you find? Boaz. Boaz. Ten times in chapter number two. You say, why what? Listen. And they only had a kinsman of her husbands, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Yes. Ruth had never met Boaz. She might have heard about him somewhere in stories and, and in family conversation, but she's never met him. She wouldn't know him if she met him in the middle of the road. But 10 times in chapter number 2, you find his name. You know what the number 10 is in Scripture? It's a number of testimony. When we get introduced to Boaz in the book of Ruth, in chapter number 2, You find out that the only testimony that Ruth has is found in a near kinsman by the name of Boaz. And the only testimony that you and I have that is worth anything tonight is found in a near kinsman by the name of Jesus Christ, our heavenly Boaz. None of us tonight are anything outside of him. Talking to Miss Kate this morning after church. And I tell, can I, I, I'm gonna guess I'm telling anything. You probably hadn't told, or he hadn't told, when he was preaching. But when when I resigned in Dalton, and, and I still had some of the old books and things, and of course, they that whole thing turned into a Spanish work there. And so I still had some of the old minutes. I got to going through those minutes. And Back when the church started, it has everybody's name where the church started, Brother Pendergrass and had all that. You've read them, I'm sure. And all those names are in there. When well, you run down through there, and there's Berman Kate. Yeah. And there's Jack Pendergrass and all these names of men who's been saved in that church and who got baptized and, 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 and who pastored the church. We were talking about that this morning. Miss Kate told me, she said, Everybody was shocked. Berman got, and I say that respectfully, I don't, Brother Cape got saved. Amen. Yeah. She said they were even greater shocked because he joined a Baptist church. <laughs> you know why we love Brother Berman Cape? You know why he stands out in our life? Because one day, Boaz walked up into his life. His testimony was tied into Boaz. You wouldn't have wanted to know me outside of me knowing him. From everything I hear, Miss Cape, I don't know that we'd have wanted to know Brother Kate outside of him knowing him. You see, there's nothing good about you and me tonight. Nothing good. But I'm going to tell you what Boaz can do. Let me tell you what Boaz can do for your life. If you'll just commit your life to Boaz, you'll just give yourself to him. You'll let him be the testimony of your life. You ever read Matthew chapter number one? Matthew chapter number one. Whose lineage are we reading there? We're reading the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know there's four women mentioned in that lineage? Four. Four. Women are hardly ever mentioned in genealogy. But here in Matthew chapter number one, we have the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. His lineage is here, and we're reading it, and four women are there. And do you know the name of one of those women who had a very bleak beginning? Yes She was a statistic, she wasn't supposed to make it. There was a lot of trash, there was a lot of sin, there was a lot of world in her life, and she wasn't supposed to be anything or anybody. And here she is in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. Do you know, do you realize, do you realize that Ruth is the great grandmother of King David? Amen. The great grandmother of King David. Do you know that she gave birth to a young man by the name of Obed? Do you know what Obed means? It means servant who worships. <laughs> In her beginning, she didn't know anything about worship. She didn't know anything about serving God. She didn't know anything about the things of God, period. And she has a son, and they name him Obed, his servant who worships. And then she becomes the great grandmother of King David. But not only that, when you flip the New Testament over and you read about our lovely Lord Jesus Christ, there she is again. I don't know what I don't have a title. I don't, and this probably ain't making sense. But I guess my thing is, instead of kissing it all goodbye, why don't you just grab hold and hold on? Thank God. Can I just say some things? Since I've been coming and I've been, do you do you even know? I think I've told you, but do you even know the impact that God used you to have in my life? Do you remember years ago at Tilton? Do you remember that conversation you had with Brother Beach back then? And Brother Beach approached me and then I called you on the phone because I was so arrogant and I thought I knew the will of God and I, you know, I was going to do this and I was going to do that. And I got back in that service that morning The Holy Ghost, I went and sat down and the Holy Ghost said to me, don't you tell me what you're gonna do with your life. You say, what in the world are you talking about? It was all because Brother Laddie asked Brother Beach if some young greenhorn preacher would be interested in pastoring a church. And I said, oh no, I had plans. Things I thought I was gonna do And I never have been your pastor, but I feel like I've been your friend. And we've shared some good times together, but it was that day that God birthed a desire in my heart to pastor. And that's what I've been doing ever since. What I was going to say is this. A lot of preachers are told, and he said it about me this morning, I appreciate it. But I just appreciate the fact you've never changed. Amen. All these years, you've never changed. You've had opportunity to change. Maybe reasons to change. You've never changed. You've never changed. Thank you. You've held on. You've held on. You could have cast it all in, kissed it all goodbye, but you held on. And sometimes, preacher, am I saying this right? Brother Gregory, sometimes that's all you can do. That's all you can do is hold on. She didn't necessarily know anything about where she was going, anything about everything that was going to happen. But she said, there's got to be something better than this. She, you talk about commitment. Listen to her words that she expresses to her mother-in-law. Commitment. Get Committed. When is the last time you've been on an altar? When is the last time you've bowed your face and buried your face in a place and said, Dear God, thank you tonight. That message was for me. He plowed my row. I needed it, every bit of it. Dear God, please help me to live it. Amen. I have got, if they were here tonight, you could ask them, I ain't lying. There have been times I've had to go get my children. Now that they've gotten up and they're sitting, you know, sitting like y'all have sitting, I've had to go get them. Sitting with their buddies, sitting with their besties. Is that what y'all say? I don't buddies, besties. <laughs> I've had to go get my children, carry them to an altar, and ask them to forgive me. Amen. Why? Because I got cold. Because I backed up. I led up. I wasn't as committed as I once was. Fired up, sold out, separated, dedicated. Let me say that word again, separated. Separation and Phariseeism, they're so foreign from each other. We're living in a day that separation has become a curse word in church. Can't hardly say it, people dedicated. That's all we heard when we got saved. Throw up the white flag. Go with God. Let God. I don't know. I I guess I was just dumb enough to believe it because that's all me and Miss George has done for the last 25 years. It's been a long journey. But I've been blessed. And walking with Jesus, I have no regrets. He is so good to me, I must confess. Sell out. Go all the way. Throw your arms around God and don't turn loose. If you feel yourself slipping, I mean get a better grip. Pull him in close. Draw nigh to God, the Bible said, and he'll draw nigh to you. You see, you're beginning. Jeremiah, you're like my kids. And it'd be real easy for a lot of y'all to just let this thing be nothing to you. Because it's all you've ever known. And see, it's you that really have the great opportunity. Your kind don't have my scars. You don't know the things of this world. You've been protected from things, saved at a young age, brought up in this thing. Don't change. That's right. Sell out, stay sold out, stay separated, stay dedicated, stay on fire. It's not something just for teenagers and young people in youth meetings. If y'all want to tonight, these three rows can go to the back and y'all send me some people up here. Y'all know that there's some older folks that need this kind of preaching. See, they're eating it up up here. I can see it in their eyes. I can tell it in their heart. I can tell it by their spirit. And some of y'all still looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate, can't wait till I get done because you're too worried about going out to eat. You're too worried about getting home and watching a ball game. you got more important things to do but honey I'm telling you we're fixing to find out we've already found out a little bit we're really fixing to find out God's going to do I think a little bit of separating of the wheat and the tares before this thing's over with I heard Dr. Jill Smith say one time and he's talking about them martyrs he said something's going to go tearing out the building he said we may have a small number when it's left he said but what we have left will be good playtime's about over ladies and gentlemen We're fixing to find out who's really serious with God and who's not. I don't believe I'm going through one second of the tribulation period, but persecution, we may get a good dose of that before we get out of here. We have been blessed in this nation. We don't know what persecution is. And we've played and pretended and we're soft. You can either kiss it all goodbye Or you can throw your arms around the God of heaven, the will of God for your life, the things of God, and hold on and let God do something that you never dreamed he could possibly do through your life. Who could have dreamed it? How could Ruth, when she was standing there in Moab, getting ready to leave, how could she have ever dreamed She would be mentioned in Matthew chapter number one in the lineage and genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there she is. And here we are. I have no business standing before you tonight. None. If anybody's unworthy, it is me. If anybody doesn't deserve it, you're looking at him. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. We're standing all over the building. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.